Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Happy 4th of July to all those beach booze, summer flings, and solstice sluts. This is Billy Persida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, 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 everyone. How you doing? Welcome to the show. If you are new to the podcast, this is a show where on uh, most weeks I talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, sexuality, love, relationships. However, uh, this week we have a very special guest, porn journalist Graham Panante. Yeah, I didn't even know porn journalism was a thing, but this man has committed his professional career to writing about the adult entertainment industry, so it's uh, quite a fascinating conversation. I know we've had porn stars on the show before, and we have more porn stars coming up, but this is a very different type of porn episode, definitely more academic in nature. We, uh, We discuss porn in the Supreme Court, we discuss the history of porn, the politics of porn. You know, who's better for the adult industry, Republicans or Democrats? Oh, uh, speaking of masturbating, I did come across this website, ijustcame.org. Ooh, what is it? Okay, so it's like this tube site. Yeah, I said .org. It's a not-for-profit tube site. It is a, uh, this college kid, one well, is like, I just want to mix porn and give back to the community. So he started a tube site where every time you come, in theory, uh, he donates one or two cents to a charity. Yeah, I tested it. I approve. This is man whore approved. You go to IJustCame.org. You find the porn you want to watch. You you do your thing. Whenever you ejaculate or visit, you can click I Just Came. And then it says, hey, you you donated one or two cents to a charity. And this really helps because normally as like a penis wielder person, you know, when I masturbate after I ejaculate, I tend to feel a lot of like shame or disgust. Like I blacked out and then I come to and I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? There's jizz everywhere. Yeah. You know, when I ejaculate and the prolactin starts to kick in, I can just click. I just came. And now I think I did a good thing. I could pat myself on the back and be like, well, Billy, look what you did for society. So uh, I endorse this. I don't know what their money model is. I do not know how he's affording to do this, but I approve. Go to IJustCame.org because it's for charity. Uh, I believe you can only click the I Just Came donate button twice per person per day. But it's a good thing to do. So right now, I want to do the impersonal Patreon thank you roll call. Yes, I want to say thank you to the dozens of folks who have donated to this show. So right now, big load of gratitude to Lance SB, Jennifer C, Jazz O, Nelly H, Justin C, Madeline B, Dave K, Ramon F, Sarah B, Dervla, Sarah S, Lauren A, Nicole M, Millie W, Frank D, Jeremy B, Christina D, Brian W, Holly F, Ashley J, Danielle DP, Andrew R, Megs N, Sarah M, and hey, we got more names to go. Carrie W, Catherine B, Alex S, Chris W, Lauren M, Gregory Y from the Bowery Boys podcast, Anna Super Slut, Ed B, Sean B, Prickly Peach, Julian H, Sean N, Jeff C, Corey G, Steve D, 
Alfredo A, Mark G, Emily S, Toby T, Anthony C, Chris with a K, Greg A, Jeffrey J, and Lawrence B. Thank you all so very much, and you too can join nearly 50 fan whores by donating to the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. You can pledge as little as a dollar per month, and you can cancel at any time. To do so, go to manwhorepod.com and click the Patreon banner on the side. Or you can download the Nifty Patreon app, and you can find me on there. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. To all level two and up patrons, uh, you've got a treat. Your bonus episodes this month are with Stephen Dean. Steve Dean is a online dating consultant, and I had him on. We recorded five bonus episodes exclusive to my patrons. We did uh, four mini bonus episodes on different topics like how to choose an online dating app, how to make an online dating profile, what our online dating pet peeves are, stuff like that. It's really fun. And then we did a full-length bonus episode for the level three and up patrons, uh, just about on his job as an online dating consultant. So uh, really cool stuff. And you can only hear those if you are a level two and up patron. And if you're curious a little bit about these bonus episodes, stay tuned to the end of this week's show, and I will play a, a teaser clip of one of the mini episodes with Steven uh, that comes out tomorrow. Now, uh, this week's guest is Graham Panante, a porn journalist. Yes, uh, this is a great episode. Like I said, it's a little more academic in nature. It's really cool. Uh, I want to address a few things briefly. Where we, If you hear voices in the background of this, you are not crazy. I say this because when we were recording and I had my headphones on, I thought I was losing my mind. Um, apparently, where his home was, where we were recording, it was like near some like cell or radio tower picking up, I think, like Mexican broadcasts or something like that. So I couldn't really fix it. They're very faint in the background. So I apologize in advance. So if you, if you hear those, uh, just ignore them. Also, this uh, took place back in early April. So this is before... The California primary. This is before Donald Trump was the official um, Republican nominee. So when you hear the the Bernie versus Hillary stuff, it's because that was back when it was still uh, pretty close. And one last thing is I want to address that we talk about a somewhat controversial topic in the adult entertainment world. Should there be an age minimum to perform in porn? And in the last three months, I've thought about it more. And so my opinion has altered a bit. Look, I'm not a policymaker. I don't make laws or anything. So my opinion ultimately doesn't matter. Should there be a law requiring an adult to be a certain age to do porn? I would say no. The government should not be involved in porn unless it's like a porn parody called Obama After Dark. Then not only should they be involved, they should produce and help close the deficit by selling that porno um, but otherwise, like Uncle Sam, get your finger out of here. You know, we don't need you. Get out. Now, my personal opinion is yes. I don't know what arbitrary age one should choose, but yeah, you should be not coming right out of high school doing porn. It's most most 18 year olds can't handle that. They don't know what they're getting involved in. And it doesn't even just apply to porn. Uh, you know, the sports industry has this. Uh, the NBA, the NFL, like in the NBA, you can't come right out of high school and go into the draft. 
you have to wait a year coming out of high school before you can enter the draft. That is to prevent some dumb 17-year-old saying, yeah, I'm like ready to be an adult and get into this insane career where I make millions of dollars. Why? Because if that person decides not to go to college and they blow their knee out in fucking week three, they're screwed. They got no college education. They got no money possibly because they probably blew it all on parties and and a fancy car. Similar with porn, not that there aren't savvy young high school athletes, not that there aren't savvy young porn stars, just most aren't. Now, I don't think there should be a law, but yeah, it'd be cool if the porn industry did like did like a self-imposed thing. The NBA rule is not a law. That is just something they self-imposed. Um, I make a comparison to the NFL with the CTE concerns, with brain damage concerns, that young players don't know what they're getting involved in when they enter the draft coming out of college, when they decide to leave college during junior year to enter the draft. And it would be nice if the NFL did some sort of seminar or weekend of, of courses or something where it's like, look, just know what you're getting into. Here's a money management class. Here's a seminar about CTE. Here's a seminar, ladies, about prolapsed anuses. I don't know. But like I said, my opinion don't really matter. I just want to clarify that I do not think the government should come in making mandatory uh, raised age limits to do porn. It's just my personal view. Uh, Ultimately, it's your body. You do you, boo-boo. I just think people should know what they're getting into before they enter such a uh, vulnerable industry. So anyways, let's cut to me with porn journalist Graham Panante. So I'm here with... America's beloved uh, porn journalist. Thank you. Graham Panante. Am I I'm saying that right? Panante? You are indeed. When I chose my porn name, I didn't think I'd be doing it 13 years later. Right. And I think I should have chosen something a little bit more pronounceable. Pronounceable, yeah. <laughs> a little easily uh, e- easier to spell. Yeah. Yeah, and people people assume that I'm Italian, but I'm Irish Catholic. <laughs> Uh, when I first started working at AVN, I thought I'd be there for three months. I mm-hmm. thought, what more could you possibly write about porn <laughs> after three months? And I thought, well, I need to choose a porn name. And I had a contest among my friends to to give me a porn name. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do my my childhood dog and my childhood street. Right. Um, which would have been what though? Which would have been US ninety <laughs> crackers. <laughs> <laughs> My, mine actually does work as a porn. Mine would have been uh, Rocky Broadway. Oh, that's a that is a good one. That sounds um, that sounds like like stripper ads at the back of the paper when people used to read the paper. <laughs> Coming next on the stage at Rocky Broadway. <laughs> Do you um? Do you remember the movie, the Adam McGoyan movie, uh, Exotica? Uh, no, because I'm 12. Oh. So I <laughs> tend to not get most references. Well, I, I, I think it's great that we're talking about porn then. <laughs> um, it's a, um, it's, he's a Canadian, and it's, it's all about this woman who happens to be a stripper. And there's a whole sequence of the guy in the stripper booth. And... I would never want to go into the bar that this guy announces from. I'd, I'd really like the Rocky Broadway, but the guy in the in Exotica says, "You ever know a girl who uh, 
just blushes cherry red. You know, ugh. I have a, I have a friend. He's also a comedian, and he used to be a strip club DJ. That's a pretty cool resume. Mm-hmm. And he had like a whole different voice. You would never recognize him. It's insane. <laughs> but so, so you chose uh, Graham Penante? How'd they? So a friend of mine, the winner, the winner who won a box of VHSs, because that's how long ago it was, mm-hmm. um, went to the internet anagram generator and typed in the words porn magnate and um, came up with Graham, Graham Penante. Penante. <laughs> Another friend of mine who's a reviewer named uh, Roger Pipe, he has an even better one. His uh, his anagram is Tipper Gore. Tipper Gore is not bad. Yeah. Tipper Gore is not bad. So he put in Tipper Gore and came out with Roger Pipe. Oh, that and that's his pseudonym. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I get that. <laughs> so so yeah, you're you're a porn journalist. And how like where do you where do you come how what is that? When I first moved here from the East Coast in 2000, I've been out here 16 years in October, um, I was an IT guy and who who knew how to write. And I knew that I would never get a you writing You do have job. IT glasses. I do. You do have... <laughs> I do. We're, we're sitting about five feet apart, but my glasses are an inch from your face. <laughs> um, well, I, I think... Regardless of whether you're 12 or whether you're my age, which is senescent, uh, nobody has jobs like our parents anymore. Uh Nobody works at the post office for 40 years or nobody works at the, you know, for the city for 40 years. We all have hundreds of jobs. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew that in school that I wouldn't just have, I wouldn't work at the mill until I died or work in the mine until I died. Um, but I came out here thinking I'm going to work in it in the entertainment industry and I will, um, work my way into a lesser paid writing job in the entertainment industry because they actually need it guys. They don't need writers. Right. And so I worked at MTV. Um, and, I, I didn't like the job, but I, it was all reality shows that I was working on. And I really lost my innocence when I learned that they were all scripted. Aww. I remember uh, there was this show called Making the Band. Do you remember that? Maybe it, a little bit. It was, Is that Diddy's one? Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, I remember that. It was, it was sort of like a less creative monkeys. Right. Uh, and... Season after season, they would put these these guys together to be a pop band. And this particular season I worked on, these guys were all unapologetically and unabashedly gay. But there needed to be a past love interest mm. for one of these guys. And I remember walking into the the production office and talking to the receptionist, who was also an actress... And she said, oh, I have an audition today. And I said, where are you auditioning? And she said, oh, I'm just walking upstairs. I, I'm auditioning for, you know, Justin's long-lost girlfriend. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, I thought, I, I, they, they script reality shows? I had no idea. I'd been out here for a few months. Right. Anyway, I got laid off from that job after about 18 months. And if you work in below-the-line production on any TV show, 
you know that you work about 18 hours a day. Mm. And so I was living in this beautiful place, but I didn't know anything about the city. And I grew up in places like New York and Philadelphia and Boston. And my idea of a city was way different from what I was experiencing out here in the San Fernando Valley. Mm. Uh, so at that time, this, this actually heats up. This is a really, okay. this is a really important story. <laughs> Wow, I, I really sound me. like an, you know, if you ever talk to like a pornographer in his 60s, uh -huh. he will preface everything with, and this is really important. And I just found myself doing that. <laughs> well, the thing is, you do have a very good radio voice. Oh, so thank it helps. You. Yeah. So I didn't have any concept of what a city was in the West because you're from New York, right? Yeah. New York is a finite place unless somebody throws you into the you know, the river, right. or you're in the swamps of Jersey. Uh, out in the West, they just have planned their cities so well, and everything's on a grid. Still not easy to find your way around, but there's room to move. Mm. And I had never been in a place with so much space before, and I didn't know my way around. But around 2002, there was this grassroots effort in the San Fernando Valley, which is... The area of Los Angeles that's north of the Hollywood sign. Okay. Um, to make the valley... Its own city, Its right? own city. Yeah. And it, that just completely fucked me up. Because uh, I couldn't imagine what the city would... A city out here would be like with no tall buildings and no... Um, Nothing that would suggest the cities that I had grown up in. Okay. And so I thought, I'll, why don't I write a story for Salon.com or LA Weekly or something about the character of what the valley will be as its own city? And there was actually a referendum to name it, and they were going to call it Camelot. And you've been out here oh, for a I, week. I know where that's. I know where that ends. Where that name ends. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm not even going to go there. Yeah. But, but just just to illustrate how far that movement got. And I thought I'll interview civic leaders. I'll interview business leaders about what the nature of the new city will be. And I was talking with a guy from Budweiser, who said, "Well, if you want to learn about the economy of the valley." you should really talk to somebody on a porn set. And I, I said, they shoot porn out here. I had no idea. Cause I, you know, yeah. there were, there were waterlogged hustlers behind my junior high school. There were, you know, Vietnam veterans who would show you their playboys, but I didn't really have a concept of what pornography was filmed pornography i didn't know who ron jeremy was or mm -hmm. peter north or any of those guys and i was really worried you know oh and i i made maybe one or two calls okay. to get onto a porn set i had no idea it was that easy and you can just call up <laughs> no i called up i called up a friend that i used to work with and i said hey uh do you know anybody who works in porn he said oh yeah and he named several names and i said I want to write this story about like a porn set. Do you know that? And he, and he said, oh, yeah, call this guy. Call this guy. You know, this, this guy is an editor on Survivor, and it's on hiatus now, so he edits blowjob reels for Red Light District. Uh, call this guy or whatever. So 
about a week later, I wound up on the set of uh, Oriental Sex Academy 4. And I'm more partial to 3. I know. I know. 3 is good. It had that good twist at the end. I know. And that's that it left, it I had no left a question unanswered, didn't it? Really? Really? Because, uh, yeah, I didn't know they were going to do anal. Like, who, who mm-hmm. would have thought? <laughs> I know. So that's why, that's why the people demanded there be a four. And if, if that experience on Oriental Sex Academy 4 had not been really surprisingly pleasant, I would not have ever gone back. Mm. It, would have been, it would have been this really interesting thing that I once did. Uh, instead, everybody was very nice. Everybody, it, it was a really nice family atmosphere. Like I was on September 11th, 2001. Oh man. I was working, uh, I was in Cabo San Lucas for this reality show for MTV. And when we all got the news, we all kind of gathered down, you know, at the, at the foot of our villa and, and the producer walks up, and the first thing she says upon being told this news was, oh, this is going to delay production. Oh. Oh. And, and it just, oh. it floored us. Oh. Whereas, you know, two, a year and a half later, I'm on this porn set, and people are just nice to each other. So to be perfectly clear, in 2001, I was still working in reality right. TV. Uh and by 2002 or three, I was dabbling in porn. Okay. Um, but in 2001, I had no idea that porn was shot in Los Angeles. I didn't know that porn, you know, had a home. So the producer walks up, says, this is going to delay the cast. We were like, what? And then a year and a half later, I'm on a porn set and everybody's just nice. Yeah. Hey, have you had lunch? You you okay? Yeah. You know, I, there was need this, some lube. Like, what, what do you need? You need a massage? Not even, yeah. <laughs> not even stuff like that. But you know, are you are you hungry? Um, what you know? What did you do last night? Mm-hmm. There was this woman named Mika Tan who was walking through the set naked, and she just announced to nobody in particular, um, you know, I'm I'm hungry, and the director goes, "Oh, we have some Baja Fresh, which is a like a Mexican cantina out here. Mm. And she said, oh, no, I can't have Mexican. I'm doing anal later. Huh? <laughs> and I was there with my notebook, and I was like, oh, right. That's a legitimate oh, thing people it's, think it's about. It's completely a legitimate thing. I had no idea. So, so, you're do, so you're out there on the set for the, for the one piece that kind of just uh, expands to be like, oh, there's so much more to write about. Right. And, you know, I'd just gotten laid off. Uh-huh. So I learned when I came out here to never throw away anybody's business card. And so... While I was writing this story about porn, I had gotten a couple of interviews at a place called AVN, mm. which is uh, like the the variety of the the porn world. Right, and I had some contacts there, and I you know I didn't know anything about porn. I'd been on one porn set mm-hmm. and a couple of little events, had no idea, and I turned the job down at first because I said I don't know anything, and they said, well, you can spell. So I took the gig, and over the years, I have... And they laid me off, too. Mm. Uh, but over the years, I have always kept a foot in the business. 
And really, I, I just thought about it so glibly that I would stay in for three months or six months and I would write a book and I would smirk at it. Which like, you have done. You have written a couple books now. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've, gone, I've gone through this little crucible where I, I don't look at it. I look at it smugly sometimes, but there's some serious as a heart attack things going on in this business that reflect the culture and are wicked important, I think. Right. You've, you've talked about this thing called the porno industrial complex. Yeah? Yes. What, what is that? I have no idea what that is. But it sounds, it sounds serious as fuck. It's, it's the idea that porn bleeds into mainstream media in a way that is even more significant than mainstream media uh, tries to reach porn. Like you, you look at the pornification of pop stars mm -hmm. and you look at uh, the debauches of pop stars. You know, there's, there's a pretty reliable statistic that in terms of uh, sexually transmitted diseases in the porn industry versus the general population in Los Angeles County. Uh, the, the rates are way lower for porn stars, right? The rates are way lower for way porn lower. stars. And so the industry, as we know it, uh, only became de facto legal. You know, the late 80s, there was a, uh, there was a landmark case called the Harold Freeman case mm -hmm. where you know, a uh, kind of low-level porn producer named Harold Freeman, and I forget, I forget the series of movies he produced. Um, he, you know, like everybody, had solicited uh, talent, and it showed up that, uh, you know, it was kind of a cherry-picked case. He had apparently solicited talent across state lines, which then made him a panderer, which was illegal. So right. instead of being a film producer, the courts looked at him as a... Um, smut peddler. As a smut peddler. Well, as a, um, as a pimp. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, in that there was somebody who was coming to his shoot in Sacramento, I think, from Las Vegas. They got him on, you know, cross-state lines pandering. Right. And it went straight up to the Supreme Court of the United States uh, where it was overturned. He was convicted, and it was overturned. Uh, and Sandra Day O'Connor wrote the um, wrote the great dissent. And Sandra Day O'Connor was against porn. Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, oh, she she wrote the dissent against the appeals court. So she was she to her we owe ah um, porn being de facto legal. Now, does that Southern mean we California. honor her by? Uh, there needs to be a Sandra Day O'Connor porno, or does that mean we she is exempt from from being parodied in a porno? I don't know which one it is. It's a very good point. <laughs> uh, I think I think we all should thank her uh, at the Jack Point. At the, what's the Jack Point? The Jack Point. I, I I really hope I invented this term. But, you know, <laughs> you're you're a comedian. Oh, like right before. Mm. Right. It, uh. I think I had this friend named Paul who, before I got into porn, um, you know, I was single at the time, and we, 
he had broken up and a friend of another friend of mine had broken up and we were all over his house watching like Lord of the Rings or something as single guys will. Right. And a friend of mine said, um, I need, I need some porn. Do you have any porn? And who I'll, says that? I've never been in a scenario where guys are like, Hey, I need some porn. Can do you have some porn on you? Because that, w- that, that was a time young Billy that, um, <laughs> You you couldn't go on the internet and find it, and you would just hand a guy like a VHS or DVD. Right, right. That used to happen. Oh my gosh! What? Tell me. That's really intimate for me. I don't. Sh- I share porn links maybe with like lovers of mine at, okay. at most. I well, want people to know what I'm looking at. It got it got weird because Paul hands my friend Chris a box of videotapes, like Rocco Sofredi videotapes. Mm. And just as Chris is about to leave with the box, Paul goes, hold on a second. And he takes (laughs) the box back and he rewinds the boxes because he doesn't want Chris to know at what point he needed to stop Uh, the tape. So that's what I call the jack point. The jack point. (laughs) Okay. I get that. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, you don't want... (laughs) So so there's this, you know, we, we, we think of... We think of porn as being so means mainstream right now, but I I worry that if it doesn't have that element of taboo, it's not going to be fun. So is that why you think like porn gets more and more extreme now because less things are taboo? Like anal sex isn't as taboo anymore, so now it's got to be prolapsed anuses. To I think I think that goes in I think that goes in waves because. Mm-hmm. You know, ten ten years ago, there was some extremely extreme stuff. Uh, have you read the the Saturday Night Live book, the, uh, the oral history of Saturday which Night one? Live? Um, I have live um, from New York. Yeah, that one. I, that one I've read. So I'm I'm most of the way through it, and mm. there's there's a section around the Seth Meyers time where that group talks about how family oriented. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, is it was now. a lot tamer. Yeah, and how how it's a good it's a good cast, and how excuse me, um, there's there's a real family feeling there. I see that a lot in porn now. Mm. Um, yes, of course there there are prolapsed anuses, but there's always been prolapsed anuses. I remember I remember being on a set. Where uh, a bleeding, multi-pierced Jesus Christ was getting blown, and um, you know there was some prolapsed anus stuff there. And what, and what site was that for? <laughs> that that was like ex, an extreme people want to look it up. Video. <laughs> it it was one of the sites that over the years got taken down for obscenity. Yeah. So there there's. That's what crossed the line? Well, I want to know at yeah. which point it crossed the line. Was it the Jesus? Was it him bloodied? Was it the blowjob of Jesus? Was it the prolapsanus mm-hmm. of whoever Jesus was, uh, Jesus was fucked? I want to know at what point they were like, okay, fucking this is too much. <laughs> that, that, I think that was a slam dunk. But you, you also know that obscenity laws in the United States are uh, based on community standards. Right. I learned that from Larry Flint. Oh, Larry Flynn, Larry Flynn's one of my favorite First Amendment advocates, and you know he's 
he's just a national treasure, and he's such a he, he was such a rascal. <laughs> you know, he, he, he never he never meant to be a first amendment patriot but when when that stuff started happening he he was right there i had no idea um how much comedians owe to larry flint specifically because that it's because of him we can do parody and satire in a way you previously couldn't yeah i had no idea when my first avn show I guess would have been in 2003. Like I said, I went through this transition where I went in feeling very smug and very glib and very superior uh, about it. You know, there's, a, there's, of course, a place for that because a lot of porn is just ridiculous and a lot of porn people are just idiots. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who are way smarter than us. And there's a lot of really interesting, transgressive, boundary-pushing... Um, wonderful things that happen here and conversations that start as a result of these little videos that people make. But anyway, the first first time I went to Vegas for AVN, I just thought I'd go up to a bunch of 18-year-old, 19-year-old porn starlets and I would ask what Deep Throat was. And 90% of them didn't know that it was a movie. They don't know their history. Right. These, young, these youngsters don't know the his, their history. <laughs> and that that impressed me then, and it impresses me now because there's there's a lot of shame about the porn industry. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody really announces when they retire because the industry kind of pushes them out. Uh, they don't; they're not hired anymore. Uh, a lot of people can't get jobs after you know once once another person or a hiring manager finds out that they were in porn. Uh, and the industry is really built on the backs of these 18, 19, 20-year-old people. And there isn't really, there are exceptions, but there isn't sure. really an, an entrenched um, archive of what porn was and why somebody who's 18 and getting on the bus here from Sarasota uh, has the right to do what she's doing. Do you think it's important for them to know that? Do you, do you Absolutely. Think people, well, but like, I, mean, I think it's important for, for comedians to know that like Lenny Bruce would get used to get arrested for saying certain things on stage that George Carlin took something to the Supreme court and lost. And that's, you know, how the FCC works now. And, I think it's important for people to, in their industries, especially creative industries, to know how much better off we are now versus then. Right. It, it, somebody in a in a younger generation, myself and yourself included, we we get to be the way we are because of somebody who actually got shot in the fucking spine. Seriously. And. You know, but I can also see. We were talking before this interview about, um, you know, I wasn't smart when I was eighteen or nineteen years old, and I I look at somebody who is eighteen or nineteen years old, you know, a porn girl, usually a porn girl, sometimes a porn guy, mm-hmm. but I think if I were that up on things, if I were that wary of the world. If I were making that much money when I was 18 or 19 and constantly in a spotlight, I, I'd, I'd have folded like a, 
like something that folds. Yeah. <laughs> What folds? An accordion? Accordions, chairs. Cha- yeah, I would have folded like a chair. Folded like a chair. Under, under that scrutiny. Uh, but at the same time, you look at these people and they think, Oh, Larry Flint, he's gross. Right. He's a golden wheelchair. And they have no fucking idea that they should be like bowing down to that dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Because wild. Because the imagery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, who would fuck him? Meanwhile, like, no, he fucked a lot of people. Right. Uh, and then he got put in a chair. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. Do you think now, but do you think it's a problem um, that the, the industry is built on the backs of these 18, 19 year olds? Like, do you think there should be a, a raised age minimum for entering the doing professional porn? I think, as you know, there are people who are 50 years old who shouldn't be in the jobs they're in <laughs> and they shouldn't be parents sure. and, you know, they're far less mature. Um, but, you know, I. You know, when I, when I was 18, I found 18-year-old girls sexy. Sure. Um, but there there's something being bandied around, for, I guess for the past 10 years anyway, that said the minimum age should be 25. I don't think that high. Yeah. Um, but like a 20? Give them a year out of high school? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, or a class. You know, there's all the uproar in the NFL about CTE and everything and mm-hmm. how these players should like to come – Obviously, I don't think the government can mandate that, but like what everyone wants the NFL to just adopt is um, it, when you enter the draft, you get like a, you go to a thing, you have to, you go to a seminar, you learn what the risk you're about to take is, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, I could see someone insisting maybe like the adult industry should do something similar. Like these girls don't know what they're getting involved in. They don't, you know, uh, like what do you think of Hot Girls Wanted? I enjoyed it, but I thought it was very selective. You yeah. know, there, there's, there's a thread that I want to follow that this, this particular business has only been legal for, you know, in our lifetimes. Mm. And there are a lot of people who were around before then who had to run from the LA Vice squad who were thrown in jail for, you know, things that, things that we do three or four times a day. Mm-hmm. And so there's still, a There's still a magma level mentality in this business that um, we need to protect ourselves and the outside uh, only wants us to fail. And I can definitely see where that comes from. Uh, and let's not be transparent uh, because these people will only take our transparency and um, fuck us with it. So when I look at something like Hot Girls Wanted, I think, yeah, on the one hand, that's, that's definitely a slice of life. There's, you know, there's some squalor in that Florida, you know, home. You can smell what it smells like right. in that documentary. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's a particular piece of, of the this porn. Yeah. much larger puzzle. And the, the problem is it's, Only one little piece, mm-hmm. but it's being, you know, not, not that they set out to say this is exactly what it is, although they're not arguing that it isn't. They didn't really disclaim like, hey, this is what the amateur industry in Florida is like. They were just trying to be like, well, this is what porn is. Right. Yeah. So, 
you know, and I, I get emails from that company every day and their, their girls are coming out here every day. And I've met, you know, many of, many of these people who think, have you met the girls from the documentary? I met one, one of the women from the documentary. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Of her. Per perfectly nice. Perfectly Perfect, nice. Perfectly nice, perfectly savvy. And again, if I had been that savvy when I was 18 or 19 years old, I mean, it, people definitely grow up fast. Mm. You know, we put it, we put ourselves in these little insulated bubbles. Um, but when you're in porn, um, you are, you are suddenly in a field where you're wanted and desired by people younger than you up to you know, guys who are in their 70s and 80s. And when you're exposed to that spectrum of people, you learn to have a very good idea about human nature that I don't think, I don't think 18 or 19 year olds who are not in this business get. Even people who are famous, you know, if you're a Disney star at 18 or 19, you have this phalanx of people around you who are protecting you. Uh, if you're 18 or 19 in porn, you're utterly exposed, literally and figuratively, and social media tiddly. Yeah. I mean, so then what do you think needs to, what do you think needs to change, if anything? I, I do like the idea of an age limit. Um, you know, I, I think 21. 21? Yeah. I mean, people, of course, will say, well, I can go into the army and I can die mm. at 18. I can vote for Donald Trump and I can die at 18. Why can't I, you know, why can't I do a blowjob There should be an video? age limit on voting for Donald Trump. I, I agree. <laughs> uh, it, it should be 72. Um, but I, I think... He'd still say, I'm still winning the polls. Yeah. Winning all polls with 72-year-olds, I'm winning. <laughs> it it must be weird living in New York now. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> uh, with, the, with the Trump stuff, you mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's had like any huge rallies in, in New York that I'm aware of. Uh, but, but it's interesting. But, like we do see his name on shit. The three, the three most talked about candidates have, you know, this big New York base. You know, Bernie was born there. Oh, right, right, right. And then Hillary and, and Trump. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, New York's a great place. So, Go Bernie. Uh, no, which, which, <laughs> which candidate do you think is best for porn? I think I remember seeing an article posing that question uh, i'm curious who you think would it's i haven't thought about that let's see i know that i'm voting for bernie yeah click click okay is a is a is a finger high five guys i <laughs> i was i was looking back at some old blog posts uh way before bernie got in where i predicted it would be Hillary 2016. Right. And um, I, I, I happen to resent being called anti-feminist mm -hmm. just, for, just for not liking Hillary. Right. In the same way that I resented being called anti-America and anti-troops because I didn't support the war in Iraq. Right. Um, it is a myth, though, and I imagine I imagine that talking with Nina and uh, and her husband Ernest, you got a really good and instructive earful about this. But it's a myth that democratic administrations are easier on porn 
than Republican ones. You know, because one of the one of the biggest um, trials of our time happened during the Obama administration over uh, John Stalliano. Where uh, and was that? That was um, I think that was 2011, maybe 2012. Okay, and it went up in flames because they didn't know how to press the. Um, Who's John Stalliano? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the with that. John Stalliano is. Probably the, I I would say one of the the five greatest living pornographers. He is the uh, owner of Evil Angel. Okay, and so what he did, uh, you know, Evil Angel is known as a pretty hardcore, but at the same time very elegant um, place. Oh, and another great thing about John is that he he really lets his freak flag fly. Right. He comes to it. In the way that the old people, the older guys did, where they look on porn as freedom of expression, right? And that that's part of that's part of the root level of who they are, and they approach pornography that way. And so there were there were five or six movies that, um, like a particular, you know, the charges were brought against him in a particular. Um, a particularly uptight county, I think, in Florida, uh, and that's that's how it's For done. What? So, what? As we were talking about yeah. earlier, the um, the community standards. Oh, so the so, obscenity charges, right? So okay. let's say you're let's say you make your porn in Chatsworth. Uh, everybody in Chatsworth knows five or six people who are in porn. Uh, so you're not, you're not going to bring charges against somebody in Chatsworth, but what you're going to do as a savvy on the, on the rise federal agent is you will find some, you know, some particularly conservative county, maybe, you know, maybe in Ocala, Florida or whatever, and you will buy something from Evil Angel's website. And so there it will be transmitted to you. And then you can, bring charges in that county for obscenity. obscenity. Yeah. Because it violates their standards. Exactly. Right. And so you can, you can find 12 angry men in that particular. I mean, that's what Larry Flint did uh, on the reverse. He wanted to get arrested. He would go to a place and say like, I, yes. I'm going to, I am going to sell my magazine here. And he would make them arrest him so that he could then get arrested, go through the court process and then appeal it to try to change the law. Yeah. And just, just rascal. Rascal. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, you know, there were a lot of obscenity charges brought during the Obama administration. The Department of Justice did a lot of that stuff during the... On the federal level? On the federal level. Oh, wow. Uh, and the Stalliano case was thrown out because they couldn't get the media player to work. Wait, they, wait what? They, they couldn't get the tape to work in the courthouse. Couldn't they got, just... They just got to upload... They just got to f- update their flash. Uh, it's... Exactly. <laughs> they need a good IT guy. <laughs> so to answer your question, I don't, I, I would think that, you know, the Pope just endorsed Bernie, I read this morning. Really? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that... Uh, the Pope endorsed a Jew. Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's you know, amazing. I've, I've, I've been to beautiful Burlington, Vermont, <laughs> on uh, the shores of Lake Champlain, and I've seen... The great things that Bernie Sanders has done there, mm-hmm. and there's you know there's a thriving little uh, alternative porn community there. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, who 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 does one look up uh, if you want to check out the like alternative porn community of Vermont? Uh, unfortunately. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that to your intrepid listeners okay. because there are only there are only as you know two states where it's not illegal to shoot porn. One is California, and one is New Hampshire. Wait, it's illegal to shoot porn in all the other states? Yes. Huh? Yeah, there there are laws on the book. Yeah, you're. But they just don't enforce them. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, I I was in a porno in Las Vegas, so it's like. Mm-hmm. Did I break the law? Yeah, and you, oh, and, shit. you and you probably you probably engaged the service of of a prostitute in Las Vegas because when in Rome, uh, but it's not illegal. I mean, it's not legal for her to ply her trade in sure. Clark County. Right, right. So yeah, it's a matter of enforcement in the same way that Measure B, which is the the law, the, law with of, the condom law. Right. Where did they all go? So are they all like shooting in Vegas or something? I know a lot of porn stars are now in Vegas. Yes. And, you know, um, trying to think of rent in Los Angeles versus rent in Vegas. A friend of mine moved his porn company to Vegas, and he told this story about the acreage of his house and the number of rooms, and he pays like 700 bucks a month for it. And I would move to Vegas in a second if I didn't have commitments here. I'd move to Vegas other than the fact that, uh, yeah, I may pay like... I could find a place for four hundred dollars a month, but uh, that doesn't count uh, what I'm losing at the casino each month. But yeah, wait. So <laughs> I forget. Oh yeah, so a lot of porn stars have gone to Vegas, and they're discovering it's cheaper. But they were kind of pushed out because of this Measure B, the condom, the rule that was making them wear condoms. Yes, and what what it did, what this measure did, um, was forced people underground, and you know the. The, the the biggest rape uh, you know perpetrated on the county of Los Angeles was this measure B mm-hmm. because AIDS health found AIDS healthcare foundation pushed this through um, and no nobody in porn uh, said we we want regulations demanding that we wear condoms because every porn set I've ever gone to somebody wanted to wear a condom they wore a condom right you know if the woman wanted the guy to wear a condom he would wear a condom. It has never not been a problem, and no one has ever contracted AIDS or HIV uh, in Porn Valley. Uh, on the other hand, and, well, and there that, has been at least one case that was like an onset. I, I read, but what happens is it's not a common thing, not nearly as common as the Gen Pop. Well, somebody comes back from Brazil, yeah, for example, and has been shooting, you know, transsexual movies as one does in Brazil. And, do, do they do that in Brazil? Oh, yes, they do. Okay. Uh, and they they come back here and they have their first test and you know in order to work here and then it's found and then they can't work mm-hmm. so that's that's when it happens and in 1997 there was a guy named Darren James who had come back from Brazil and this was before uh this was before regular testing mm-hmm. and and I'm sorry, this was 2004. I okay. apologize. So in 2004, he comes back from Brazil, um, and it's found. So I think there's a narrative that was foisted on L.A. County that uh, AIDS is transmitted in this industry, and it's not. And you know, if if I were if I were an unenlightened voter, what what's the what is the term 
There, for... there's, there's a Hillary term uh, for people who are stupid. Oh, it, it, here it is. When Hillary does not win, uh, the narrative is if people only were educated, they would, they would vote for her. So the Hillary Oh, campaign how condescending is calls, that? Calls them low information voters. <laughs> low information voters. So we had. Some, Whoa, we, we that's had, a really lofty way to call someone a dumbass. <laughs> right. So we're uh, we had some low information voters here in L.A. County who believed the narrative that uh, the porn industry is a hotbed of disease, and that people are getting AIDS left and right, and they will then be thrown on the public's. You know the public health mercy, right? Uh, and that's it's simply not true. I'm surprised that hasn't been overturned yet. It's because uh, isn't it, there an idea, the, like a First Amendment case, where like that's if this is my art and you're forcing away because the government seems to want to make it like a public health issue, whereas it's like uh, some people are like, oh, well, we could defend it because you're infringing upon how I make my art, right? And and I I think. Which guys, any guys listening, that is not an excuse for you to go just raw dog chicks, be like, yeah, babe, you're like not letting me express my art by raw dogging you. Like that's not, this is not, not the same thing. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, I, I think, I, I think if I were to judge and somebody came up to me and said, uh, I want to overturn that, I want to overturn this because of, you know, it infringing my first amendment rights, I would go, ugh. You know? Like he's right, but really, like yeah, but really. Um, however, it should have. It, it's easier. It's harder to overthrow a law than it is to, um, you know, once once the law is in there, you can chip away at it. Mm-hmm. But it's really going to be hard to mount a um, to mount an offense to measure B. It hasn't made it statewide. Right, it keeps getting overturned in, statewide. Yeah, that's just right. in L.A. County. But you know, the day after it went into effect, I called the LAPD and their public information officer, and I said, "Okay, this law is now in effect. How do you plan to enforce it?" We don't plan to enforce it. That's good. They never plan to enforce it. However, savvy porn producers moved to unincorporated L.A. because uh, there's again, you know, the the fact that this is such a big place. There's a lot of unincorporated areas. Okay. Uh, and they moved up to San Francisco, which is a different vibe. Mm-hmm. And they moved to Las Vegas, where you can get really good buffets and rent for 700 bucks. Um, but what it actually did uh, for the most people is that it forced people to go underground. And it forced uh, porn stars to be much more wary so, for example, in 2011, I could go to a porn set and I would, you know, I would tweet, you know, I'm going, you know, I'm going out to Canoga Park to this studio and I'm going to see Christina Rose. I'm going to see whomever and we're going to shoot, you know, Facts of Life triple X. Right. Um, people don't do that now. So porn is still being shot with. Not the same frequency, because economics have something to do with it, mm-hmm. but porn is still being shot here. People are just very savvy and canny about making that public. But if L.A. County, if the, if the police department doesn't, they're not going to enforce it, then who cares? You, you also don't want to flaunt it. Okay. You don't want to flaunt your flouting. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I first read about the measure, uh, this is before I 
was I had met a porn star or anything, my initial instinct was like, okay, that seems annoying, but what's the big deal? And then I actually asked porn stars like, why is this such a big deal? And like, um, I remember I asked Siri, um, the the recently retired Siri. Um, you just. I was just thinking about her yesterday. She was my, uh, I, that was the person I did my little scene thing with. What? Did, yeah. But uh, but she told me, she's like, well, you know, you're on set for like many hours. And if you're using a condom, many hours. I don't care how much lube you've got. Mm-hmm. Eventually that shit's going to burn. Or yeah. if like you're doing a wat- like a, a pool scene and stuff. I was like, okay, I understand. So it actually makes your job a lot fucking harder. Yeah. Not to mention male porn stars that could potentially be a, a big factor as well. Right, uh, and, it, and could just and you know that that area is so sensitive and so open to tearing mm-hmm. that um, you know it it presents more problems than it's worth. Yeah, and I would like to see more condoms in porn. I would mm-hmm. because I think it'd be good for this the the new generations of people growing up sans any comprehensive sex education. I think it'd be good for them to all to see with their normal quote unquote normal porn to also see. No, you know, normal porn that does have condoms, and then be like, "Oh, seems like people can use condoms and have crazy hot sex." Right, but I don't think it should be mandated. Yes, and, yeah, and I, I think there, there, there are detractors. There are notable detractors. You know, for wicked, wicked pictures, for example, has forever used um, prophylactics in porn, and their sales haven't gone down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there is that argument that. Um, you know, people don't want to see condoms in porn. I don't. I don't think that's really true. You should. You should make your way to a woman named Carol Queen, who I, is her name. Yeah, I'm familiar with the name. She's a contemporary of Nina Hartley, and Carol Queen is just a natural, a national treasure. I I can't say enough lovely things about her. But she's a, a San Francisco institution, and she has a great quote where she says. Um, Porn isn't sex education until it is, mm-hmm. and and in today's uh, day and age, like it is, unfortunately, where people are getting their sex education, right? And I and I'd like to think, but you know, then again, it's a it's a generational thing. You know, I learned about sex the way everybody does from people giving me false information on the schoolyard, right? An uh, older brother, yeah, an older brother, um, but. Today, I don't know how, you know, I, I know what I tell my kids and I have, you know, I, I do some reasonable monitoring of their online activities. Uh, so I know what's flying through the air, but I also know the, the child, I sound like Bill Cosby, the child's innate uh, desire to be secretive and to you know, to have private conversations. So I don't know what flies through the air via osmosis. Mm-hmm. I can only say, you know, what was going through the air in, you know, the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. Do you plan on uh, giving your kids the talk? I mean, what do you, what do you plan on? Well, you know, I, 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 met, I met their mom when I was working at AVN. Was she in the industry? Yes. In what, can I ask in what capacity? Uh, she, did some, she did some work on camera. Okay. Uh, and she did some, she did some writing. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think... Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so er, earlier on when, you know, when we were having the kids and we talked about 
when are we going to tell them? Um, it was a bigger issue than it is now because I just see things gradually building up to the, you know, I know a lot of really great parents in this business whose kids know exactly what they do and the kids look at it as, ugh, mom. Mom and her <laughs> fucking cum shots, yes. you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, for example, I will go to Costco and I will see, you know, I'm, pr- I'm pretty tall and my kids are pretty short. And so if we're behind... <laughs> as kids tend to be. <laughs> often, often, I've noticed. Uh, I'm no anthropologist, but I've noticed this. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be walking by a pallet of onions and I will see over them, you know, last year's orgasmic oralist uh, or somebody who won best three-way at AVN. And, you know, Costco is a, is a big box retailer and a lot of porn studios get their douches and their enemas there, mm. as well as their pallets of chips for the craft service table. Sure. And, you know, just about every week I will see somebody that I know from the porn world who will run up to me and hug me and say, Graham, and we'll talk for a minute. And then I will, you know, courteously introduce my kids to her who are like of a, of the younger age range. Right. But you know, my, my daughter yeah. will say, you know, that, that, that girl with the big boobs and the huge head, <laughs> the huge head. I love the huge head thing. <laughs> I, re- I remember, um, my daughter, my you're da- making, she makes porn stars sound like aliens, like really hot aliens. Well, <laughs> you've, you've been in LA for this past week mm-hmm. and, um, you were telling me that you did a bunch of podcasts and you you probably as anybody who comes out to LA knows, you know, when you rent your car, you need to maximize your exposure yeah. and your earning potential and whatever. Uh so the one thing that people figure out really quickly is that people who are famous out here have huge heads. <laughs> they have huge heads. Um no other way to say it. They have huge they, heads. They huge heads. Have you, do you? I have not noticed this. Oh, intro. How long? Oh. When are you? Oh, you're leaving tomorrow. I live tomorrow night. Hopefully, I will see some more huge heads. Are you going? Are you going to go to Hollywood? I've, for I, any I, I walked around time? Hollywood. I walked around Hollywood Boulevard. I, to be honest, I'm usually in my Walk own down head. Melrose. I don't even like look at people. I'm just like on Twitter the whole time. <laughs> maybe it's maybe I have a huge. I don't know. Don't don't go to Hollywood Boulevard. Go a couple of blocks south to Melrose. Melrose. Just walk around Melrose and you'll see some huge heads. Okay. <laughs> um, but so wait, so back to the uh, original question. So when you you and the and their mom had the conversation of like when do we tell them and what did y'all decide on? So when you're a young parent, you try to plot things out. Mm-hmm. But when you become an experienced parent, you realize that you you're a shepherd and your um and plotting things out is the road to tears. Mm-hmm. So my my children are pretty savvy. You know, I tell them, you know, I tell them I'm a writer. And, uh, you know, I tell them that I'm an educator and I tell them some of the things I write about and some of the things I educate about. You know, I have a pretty diverse portfolio of the, the jobs that I do. Mm. Um, and so, you know, and they, and they, they see, they see porn stars every other week. Uh, they don't necessarily know they're porn stars, 
but it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. And, and, and I don't worry about it. But you plan it. on having like a, a discussion about like, here's what sex is and here's what it's for, like past the biology. Or? Oh, they, they know all that stuff. They already. all know that stuff? Yeah. Oh, good, for, good on you. Yeah. And they, and they know what, they know what porn is. They just don't know. And they know that yet. this is not like what real sex is. This is a fantasy. I'm, I'm assuming. Right. They, they, yeah. I say that this is like extreme sports. This is like entertainment. This is like Santa. This is like Jesus. They but know I, that Santa's not real. They know that Santa's not real. Let them have real. some innocence for a little long. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> our, our, our innocence is our, our innocence is completely intact mm-hmm. and you seem uh wow you know a lot about your porn man uh not just like current but like uh, your history it's that should be the next book is there going to be a history of porn book what's going on there's there's a couple of really good what are some really good ones one is called the other hollywood okay. by uh legs mcneil what um, a great name do you know do you mind if i put this microphone down for a second absolutely i've got a couple hold on go for it can I give you some book suggestions? Absolutely. So right. we have the other Hollywood, other Hollywood by Legs McNeil. It gives, it's a, it's an oral history. It came. Oh, out, I, I bet it is. I bet. <laughs> you, you loft it up. I will slam dunk that. <laughs> you, you, you should have seen that joke spike behind me over the net. Um, it came out in uh, I think around two thousand two, two thousand three. Okay. So it it doesn't really cover the internet age or the piracy age. Um, but we were talking about this before when we talked about, uh, you know, what do you not want to talk about? What do people lie about? What is shame? Mm-hmm. There are several really good autobiographies of porn stars that in telling the story of the particular person. Tells give, the history of porn. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I can't, recommend enough um ashley blue's book girlvert girl what girlvert g-i-r-l-v-e-r-t correct oh ashley world okay ashley blue was you know the extremist of extreme porn girls Mm. and she worked for a company mostly called jm productions and they did things like american bukkake and you know there was (laughs) there was there was nothing wholesome about what she did but she writes about her Hollywood experience in this millennium, and it's just fascinating mm. as really, really good. And if you want somebody on the other side of that, uh, Tara Patrick's book is really good. Uh, it's called uh, Sinner Take All. Sin or Take All? Oh, I'm sorry. Sinner. Oh, Sinner Take, take all. all. Okay. Uh, you know, and and some of these books are a little bit more curated. Some of these books are clearly ghost written, but uh, Ashley wrote her own book, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating. Okay, that sounds great. And you've you've written books yourself. Um, so I mean, is I mean, it's great you want to plug other people's books, but you should plug. plug oh, your own. Right. You have, I mean, you have one a, a Porn Valley Odyssey. Yes. So in two thousand and nine, I thought, you know what, I'm going to direct a porn movie. And I'd been asked to do that a couple of times before, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to cross the line. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would go to a porn set and I would stay two hours and I would have snacks and I would take my pictures and I would do my interviews and then I would leave. Um, But 
you know, porn sets usually go 18 or 19 hours and I'm a dad and I have other jobs and I have, you know, I don't want to stay around there all, all goddamn weekend. But in 2009, I thought, you know, why don't I write a script about, <laughs> um, the facts of life and do a porn parody script and. Oh, written what, and directed by. Written and directed by. Yes. You didn't think to also do written, directed and starring the, the exactly. triple threat? No, no. <laughs> Although I have. I, I think before I get too old, I should... You should do one. I should do one. But only one. Like, Nina offered me, like, I was I had the opportunity, I could have done a, like, what she calls a handjob audition. Ooh. She'll audition a dude, because guys tweet her all the time, it's like, yeah, well, my dick. She's like, well, come on out, fucking put... My, like, we'll do a... Well, it's super safe and all that stuff, and if it goes well, maybe we can work together in the future, but, like, I can put it on my website, you don't get paid, but it's like an audition, and it's POV, it's anonymous. Huh. And I said... And I was like, I said no because I think it's funnier to do one porn and retire mm-hmm. than to do like two or three and then stop. <laughs> yeah, I completely see <laughs> where you are. You should do one. Went. Yes. Uh, so I wrote Recre- recreate the conception. I think that's a great idea. Reconnect with the mom and be like, hey, you want to like do this like flashback thing? We'll wear funny wigs and. <laughs> oh God, I haven't even thought about that. Oof. You know, <laughs> then you can show that to your kids when they turn 18. Be like, well, this is how you were conceived. Happy birthday. <laughs> I, I like I like where you're going with this, but it doesn't, that would not exist in no. my world. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrifying, Billy Priscilla. Yeah. Do I, is, do I pronounce your last name? You nailed as it. If it. Oh, okay. You nailed it. So someone who I've proceeds. been on three comedy show this week. Uh, uh, two and a half people have mispronounced it. So that sucks. Yeah, it's uh, I don't understand. So I wrote and directed this porn movie, and we shot it over a weekend, and it was really good. Um, but I was in it to write down what the process was, right? And so I wrote a um, the first of what I hope are three books, and it was called A Porn Valley Odyssey: mm. Making the Facts of Life Triple X. You can find it on Amazon. It was a bestseller when it came out. Hey. Um, and you know, if you, if you buy it, uh, it helps make a mortgage payment, Yeah, but it's really good. It's a, uh, you should pay for your porn or, or I forget who's, uh, April Flores was like, we'll pay for some of your porn. Like, it's like, we'll, we'll sell for that. So if, but if you don't pay for your porn, pay for your porn history books. Um, <laughs> right. Well, I remember when my son was born, mm-hmm. I brought my daughter my my daughter's older than my son so when my son when my son was born um you know my daughter needed to be she needed to be squired around and she needed to feel special mm. and i remember i brought her to a party at april flores's house and it was when carlos was still alive right. and my daughter was maybe two or three no she was about three and she saw april flores and she said to me as she was, you know, eating, I think eating some corn. Because <laughs> April Flores has a, has a big, strong Mexican Catholic family. Right. And there was this bowl of like toasted corn. And my daughter looked at me and she said, she's the most beautiful girl in the world. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, just um, big, nurturing smiling sweet as all get out with with red hair my daughter had never seen anything like it 
Oh, that's awesome. That's very sweet. Yeah. Um, Graham, I, I'd love to keep chatting with you, I, uh, but uh, we do have to wrap up. Uh, where can people find you? They can read your read your articles about um, about the porn industry and about. I like your titles. Uh, you had the what, Downton Abbey. What was it called? Um, it was is very. Oh, fuck, I wrote it down too. I thought. Oh no, I didn't. But I like your titles of your of your articles. Oh, thank you. For, I I am. Um, like, I don't know. I don't know what this is about selective amnesia, but I often forget the things that I've written. And so I'm a really bad plugger of my own work. Okay. But I will look at something that I wrote a year ago, having forgotten that I wrote it, and I'll go, ah, right. and that way I don't feel like I get a big head, like right. famous people. Right. Uh, but anyway, if you go to grandponante.com. That's G-R-A-M-P-O-N. A N T E dot com. Yes, you can also find me on uh, Twitter at Graham Panante. At Graham Panante. Graham, thanks so much for uh, chatting with me. You, you're a man with many stories, uh, and it was very cool talking about uh, porn in in the uh, from like a, a removed point of view, almost. My pleasure, Billy. Proceed. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Why don't you say goodbye to everybody? Bye, everybody. <laughs> Wonderful conversation with Graham. Again, go to grahamponante.com to check him out. That's Graham, G-R-A-M-P-O-N-A-N-T-E.com. Go check him out there. He's also on Twitter at Graham Ponante. Uh, say hello to the both of us. I'm at the Billy Presida. Use the hashtag ManwhorePodcast. Let us know what you thought about the show. I'm so thrilled that a lot of you enjoyed the Kelly Festuca episode. And the only way I know that is because of the emails, the tweets, and the comments on Reddit. Which leads me to say, come join the conversation with your fellow fan whores on the Man Whore Podcast subreddit. You can chime in on any individual episode. You can post fan art. You can post questions. For all you Randy Redditors, that's r slash man whore podcast. Uh, and of course, I love your emails. Go ahead and send your comments, your questions, and your boobies over to manhorpod at gmail.com. Please make some sort of donation to the Manhor Podcast on Patreon. Even if it's a token, 25 cents per month, it's just a way of saying, Hey, Billy, I can't really afford it right now, but I do appreciate you, and I am here for you. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash manhorpodcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Man Whore Podcast. Now, folks, uh, I'm going to leave you with a teaser from tomorrow's mini bonus episode with Steve Dean, an online dating consultant, where we talk about the, the various aspects of online dating. So I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July weekend, and I hope you stay slutty. So, but now, well, what's the difference between like what makes someone choose between OKCupid versus Match versus an eHarmony? Um, I would say they fall on a clear spectrum. Like eHarmony is the most commitment; the next most is Match. OKCupid doesn't really fall as strongly on any kind of commitment spectrum. It's mm-hmm. more like you have it's your kind of catch-all, but with really strong filters and with scale. And they also have like a lot of poly ops. I know a lot of poly people yeah. who will like they. You can show, say like, "Hey, I'm poly, and I'm here for this," and they have all those selectors on there right yeah if you're non-monogamous at all um like basically okay cupid is a catch-all and that like no matter what it is that you're interested in you'll probably find it like that's where the cheese fetishist used to hang out and so, really like, he'd like ask random users if he could have them like pay them to come and drape cheese over his penis and it's like you know what like good for you for being an enterprising dude but like i 
feel like Craigslist is probably the better place for you. Agreed. Like, okay, <laughs> Cupid, I see that you're really trying to adopt like modern dating trends and incorporate <laughs> that into your fetish, but like, dude, you're like 70 years old. You're having some trouble here. Uh, okay, Cupid is probably not the right spot for you. 